Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this day. Please know you're always very welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. We gather with great joy on the second Sunday of, of uh, Trinity, or rather second Sunday after Trinity. You always got to keep the, the phrasing right, because we have Trinity Sunday, and then technically the first Sunday after Trinity is really the second Sunday in the season, but you know, that's not the way it's counted. This is the second Sunday after Trinity. And we have great joy to hear the gospel of Christ, that gospel call to come to his feast and receive his blessed gifts. Uh, and so I'll turn your attention then, uh, rather your ears, to the Focused on Christ section, the summary of our readings today. Typically you would find that in the back of your bulletin, and it is there, uh, but um, I will then read the updated one for this week, which goes as follows. The gospel call goes out to all. Wisdom has issued an invitation to the divine feast, as we'll hear in the Old Testament reading. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. This is the call of the Spirit of Christ to believe the gospel and to receive his saving gifts in the Holy Supper. Many make excuses and reject this invitation, even as the Jews did in the days of Jesus, yet the Master's house will be filled. The gospel call, therefore, goes out to the lowly and the despised and to the highways, even to all the Gentiles. For you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, as we will hear in the epistle reading from Ephesians 2. In Christ, believing Jews and Gentiles are no longer strangers, but fellow members of the household of God. The enmity of class and race is put to death through the cross. Having been reconciled in the one body of Christ, we are enabled to love one another by the Spirit as we await the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. And so then we do have the joy of receiving Christ's body and blood this day. And according to the word of God, we are called then to be united in our doctrine as we come to his altar. So therefore we ask that uh, those communing this day be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod as we seek to honor and obey our Lord's word, that we be one loaf, that we be united in what it is that we believe, teach, and confess as his people. Our service this day is divine service setting four, as it begins on page 203. We now sing the first hymn. O Lord, since you never fail to help and govern those whom you nurture in your steadfast fear and love, Work in us a perpetual fear and love of your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday after Trinity is from Proverbs chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. 
This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. When one of those who reclined at table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text this day is the Gospel lesson. It was a Sabbath day, and Jesus was reclining at table and eating a meal with a group of people, including his host, who was a leader, a ruler, of the Pharisees. Now, as was often the case, there are other motives at play here with the Pharisees. They're continually trying to catch Jesus in his words, seeking to expose him as though he were some kind of fraud or fake or phony. In other words, these men did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, God's promised Savior. This is where the Gospel lesson begins. So another man reclining at the table said, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, on the surface, this kind of spontaneous comment. It sounds good. It sounds right, even pious. However, Jesus knows the motivation of these men's hearts. Therefore, he responds with a parable as if to say, okay, you want to talk about the kingdom of God? Let's talk about the kingdom of God. He said, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. 
And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Now the host in Jesus' parable is generous. Generous to the highest degree. He prepares a banquet, a feast, and he invites his guests. This banquet is free. It's given out of the host's abundant generosity. There's no cost here. He loves his guests, and he wants to be with them at table. Now notice that this is no light lunch. This is not finger sandwiches. It's not cheese and crackers. It's a banquet, a feast. The man sends out his servant with the good news, come for everything is now ready. So, so far this is all wonderful. But having already heard the parable just some moments ago, it does beg the question, who wouldn't want to go to a feast like this? Well, hold on a minute, because we're about to meet those people. Jesus said, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I must go and examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Now, you might think that these excuses, they sound legitimate and that the rejection, it's delivered in a polite manner. But you see, that's really not what's going on. The Greek says, and they all began with one voice to excuse themselves. This was a united and resounding rejection of both the host and his free banquet. A rejection of his grace, his mercy, his goodness. So then let's take a closer look at those excuses one by one. Well, the first person says that they bought a field and they need to go look at it and expect it. Well, to be blunt, this is foolish. I mean, you would not buy a field without first inspecting it. It's poor business practice. Buying a field is a significant expense, and anyone taking the purchase seriously, they'd want to look at what they were actually buying before they bought it. And the second person's excuse, it's really not any better. I bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to inspect them. This is also a large expense. Honestly, it's a huge, huge expense. The average farm would have managed just fine with one yoke of oxen. In fact, that would have been quite nice. Five yoke is a huge expense. And again, you would have inspected the goods before laying out all that cash. In modern money, five yoke of oxen would have been like buying five new tractors at one time. Or a very expensive combine. It's a huge expense. One that you wouldn't make without first inspecting the product. And so this also is revealed to be a poor excuse. The third person, a newlywed groom, says rather abruptly and kind of awkwardly, I've married a wife, therefore I can't come. Essentially, he says, I can't come because I have a wife. This third and final rejection is just as poor and foolish as the other two. So then where does that leave us, right? Well, before we go any further, let's remember that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. That's what this parable is about. He's using easily understood language for the purpose of explaining and revealing deeper spiritual truth. The fact is, this invitation to the banquet is God's gospel call into his kingdom, a call to repentance and faith in the Messiah. This was promised since the fall of Adam and Eve. This call to the banquet, it was on the lips of God's chosen messengers throughout history, the patriarchs, the prophets, on and on up till John the Baptist. And now, this promised Messiah, he is sitting and eating with them in the flesh. He's right there, and the Pharisees reject him outright. Now, God is clear about his desire for all people to be saved. He says just that in 1 Timothy 2.4. Indeed, this is why Christ was sent to save sinful humanity, right? John tells us in chapter 3, for this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order to redeem the world through his Son. However, not all will heed God's gospel call. Jesus says in Matthew 22, many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, the Holy Spirit will call many, countless, to faith, but so sadly many will reject that call, just as those in the parable rejected the call to the banquet. The Pharisees who rejected Jesus' word are like those in the parable who rejected the invitation to the banquet. They are opposed to both the banquet and to the host. They are foolish unbelievers. They stand opposed to Jesus and opposed to the grace he freely gives. Now, folks, before we begin looking down our noses at the Pharisees, you need to see where you fit in this parable. Because you see, at one time or another, you and I both, we have acted just like these three who reject the host in his banquet. Now, how is this so? Well, the host is our Heavenly Father. The banquet is his divine service, wherein God serves you with his word and sacrament. In fact, we risk missing the whole point entirely if we do not see in this parable the Lord's Supper and ultimately the marriage feast of the Lamb in paradise, which is to come. Jesus' teaching, you see, is wide-ranging in this parable. He's hitting a lot of things. So then, how do we reject the banquet like those in Jesus' parable? Well, we don't reject God's gifts because we've bought a field or five yoke of oxen. Instead, we say, or rather we think often, something like this. Sorry, God, I'm not going to be in your house or at your table today. I have other things to do and other places to be which are, frankly, more important. Such thinking reveals a lot about your priorities. It also reveals a lot about how you view your Heavenly Father and His gifts and also your need for them. If we saw how deeply we need which Christ lavishes upon us every week, then we wouldn't miss the opportunity because we so desperately need what He graciously provides, what He provides in abundance that is beyond our imagining. And so then to nonchalantly reject Christ's word and sacrament says that neither are more important than, well, fill in the blank. Your time at the lake, the kids' summer traveling team, your tea time, your fishing trip, or even just the simple desire to turn off that alarm on Sunday morning and sleep in a little more because, you know, you don't want to be burdened by church today. Well, dear saints, we need to repent because Christ's word and sacraments are not burdens. They are the very solution to our biggest burdens in life. Sin, death, and the power of Satan. As we confessed at the beginning of the service, we can't save ourselves from these things. God had to do that for us, and he did it in the sending of his son. And now all the benefits that Jesus won for us here, they're delivered there and in baptism and in his holy word. He comes to you because he doesn't want you to be languishing under these things, but rather he comes in mercy and grace Forgiving your sins. Giving you all of the gifts of heaven. You see, Jesus gives us a firm and loving warning today. He calls you to repentance. Don't be like the invited wedding guests who turn down the invitation. Now, at the end of the gospel lesson, we're told what will happen to those who die in unbelief and a rejection of Christ, right? Again, for those who die in unbelief, he says, For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. And in St. Matthew's Gospel, there is a parallel to this parable before us today. And Jesus finishes it by saying, For many are called, but few are chosen. Beloved in the Lord, Jesus calls you to repent of your rejection of him and his gifts and to simply come to his table. 
Come receive his gifts. Receive his mercy. For it is yours. It's precisely why he shed his blood. So that you could know and receive the mercy and forgiveness of God. It is yours. It is his free gift for you. As was mentioned in the sermon last week, faith is a gift. And God gives the gift of faith by means of his word and sacraments. This gift of faith, it's also fed and nourished by the same word and sacraments. God delights to pour out his grace, mercy, and forgiveness on repentant sinners who cling to his son in faith. And so then this takes us back into the parable. Picking up where Jesus left off, he says, So the servant came and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house became angry. And he said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Even though the first guest rejected the host's gracious call to the banquet, you see, this host, he is not done. He sends out his servant to bring in the second group of people, the poor, crippled, blind, and lame. Now, in Jesus' time, these would have been undesirable, undesirable people that no one would want at their table. And let's be honest, folks. When was the last time you went out to the streets and invited in the lame, the crippled, the blind, the undesirable, undesirable people to your table? You see, the host, God, he is gracious and loving, and he desires all to be saved and to come to his bank. For you see, we are also those people. We are the poor, crippled, blind, and lame. We are helpless without the love and mercy of our Heavenly Father. It's just as we confessed at the beginning of the divine service. I, a poor, miserable sinner, have offended you and justly deserve your temple and eternal punishment. That's the way it is in divine service setting three. At the beginning of this service, we confess before God and one another that we have sinned and thought word and deed and cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. So then together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, beseeching him for the sake of Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. And he does. He does. For this is how God loved the world. Again, that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus bore the burden and punishment for our sin on the cross, and he died our death. He did this for you, for me, for the whole world. Jesus took all of God's wrath over sin such that none of God's wrath remains for you and all who cling to Christ in faith. Judgment happened here. There's no sin that went unpunished on the cross. Jesus died for them all. And so now we receive the benefits of his death and resurrection in his word and sacraments. His chosen means so that we wouldn't be any, in, in, in doubt, forgive me, uh, as to how we receive these things. And so each and every Sunday, God sets his banquet table of grace before you. In his word and sacraments, Jesus gives you forgiveness of sins, life everlasting, salvation from the devil, those things which are most needful, those things that he won and purchased with his blood on the cross. The Lord has taken us poor, unworthy beggars and he has made us his baptized, his beloved and redeemed children in Christ. So then, returning to the parable one last time, there's still one more group of people. Jesus tells us that the servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has been done, and there's still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. See, the gracious master and host wants his house filled with believers. 
Pastors, they function like the servant of the master in Jesus' parable, proclaiming the good news of God's gospel call to his banquet. The message we proclaim to God's baptized people and to indeed the whole world is, come for now everything is ready. You see, even though God does not call all of his people to be pastors, he does give to each and every one of his people the blessed joy of confessing. Confessing Christ to our family and neighbors. It's not a complicated thing. In our daily vocations, we love and we serve our neighbors because Christ has loved and served us to the utmost. And along with that, God gives us opportunities to tell of Jesus, to tell of our Savior, his love revealed in his death and resurrection. We teach our children God's word. We speak of Christ around our dinner tables and in our daily conversation. You see, Jesus is our hope, our life, our light, and our salvation. So therefore, let us joyfully confess him and what it is that he has done. In this way, dear saints, evangelism is meant to be a joy, not a burden. See, God knows his church. He knows his elect. He knows who will be in paradise on the last day. And this is a great comfort to us because God has chosen you for himself in the waters of holy baptism. St. Peter tells us, he says, You, church, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are taught that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That faith is a gift freely given by the Spirit who calls through the gospel. So therefore, those who ultimately reject Jesus and, they, and go to hell, they do so because they've rejected Christ and his grace. It is not because you have failed to evangelize. Put simply, those who have faith in Jesus, they have that gift of faith because the Holy Spirit gave it to them through the hearing of the gospel. Those who have no faith in Christ, they are without faith because they have rejected the Holy Spirit who calls people to faith through the gospel. So therefore, God calls you to simply confess, to tell the good news of forgiveness that we have in Christ who died and rose for all. In this way, evangelism, again, is a joy and not a burden. We confess the gospel to others, and the Holy Spirit does the rest. He does all the, hope and the heavy lifting. Therefore, rejoice. Rejoice in Christ your Savior. For your heavenly Father has called you to his banquet table of salvation where he continually lavishes his grace and mercy upon you. In Christ Jesus, you are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are set free. Come, for everything is now ready. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For the fear and knowledge of God through his word, and that the Spirit would set us on the way of wisdom and insight to love God for his law's reproof and to grow wiser still in the wisdom of his gospel and his righteousness, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For the mission of the church in our land and throughout the world, that through the proclamation of the gospel, many may be brought near by the blood of Christ and built together with us into a dwelling place for God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For parents, that they may set their children's feet firmly on wisdom's path, raising them up in the fear and knowledge of our God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
for our president, our Congress, and all who govern the nations in the Lord's stead, that he would keep their lips from speaking deceit, turn them from evil, cause them to do good, and help them seek peace and pursue it. Let us pray to the Lord. For our afflicted brothers and sisters, especially Ron Lyon, Ron Gibson, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that the Lord would hear their cries for help and deliver them out of all their troubles for the sake of his righteous Son. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who mourn, especially the family and friends of Amy Jo Mueller, that God would grant comfort and peace in the resurrection of his Son, Jesus Christ, who has overcome sin, death, and hell, and promises eternal life to all who believe in him. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Lord's household, that we may not look upon anyone in our midst as a stranger or alien, but embrace them as fellow citizens through Christ's blood with all the saints. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For faithfulness to eat the heavenly bread and drink the mixed wine that the Lord's wisdom sets before us in the feasts of Christ's body and blood, that we may leave our sinful ways and live in the way of insight. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Gracious Father, we solemnly thank and praise you for the judgment of the court this day in reversing decisions that have given open sanction to the destruction of human life. Curb wickedness in every part and place. For the sake of Christ, spare us those punishments that we have deserved. Restore compassion and the desire for life among all. And lead your church to show your love to the vulnerable, to the despised, and to those whose hearts have turned cold. Your Son has taken up our fragile flesh to free us from the bonds of sin and death. Draw every heart to yourself, Holy Father, that believing in Christ Jesus, we would not perish, but have everlasting life. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O Lord, Heavenly Father, we gratefully remember the sufferings and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Rejoicing in his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands for us as our own high priest. Gather us together from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. For to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Indeed, thanks be to God for his mercy and his grace and his continual provision for us. Uh, in light of the uh, wonderful news which we received this week about the overturning of Roe v. Wade, I'll actually ask you to join me in singing the common doxology before we continue with our announcements this day. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
this uh, this upcoming week here, of course, uh, Sunday School and Bible Study immediately following worship. Tuesday and Thursday of this week, Theology on Tap returns. Women's Theology on Tap on Tuesday, men on Thursday. Ladies, if you've not received your book yet or picked it up, uh, come see me and I'll give you a copy. Um, otherwise, I can give it to you that evening. We'll probably do a read-through of the first uh, short little snippets. They're not really chapters so much as they are short excerpts and letters that will be uh, guiding our study. Uh, so I do, I, I look forward to it. It's going to be good. And then, of course, we pick up this Thursday with the Ninth and Tenth Commandments in Luther's large catechism. So we'll be finishing off uh, the law and then moving after that to the Apostles' Creed. Um, so directing you to the announcements, uh, Wednesday, of course, don't want to forget, 9 a.m. Lutheran Confession Study Group, 6 p.m. our workout class in the auditorium. Um, coming up on July 16th and 23rd, so this is uh, a little ways off here, but not too far, volunteers are going to be here at church for a deep cleaning of the building. The first shift will begin at 7 a.m. and the second at 9 a.m. No judgment if you're not there at 7 a.m. Uh, not everybody is a morning person, but of course, uh, this is a way that we can uh, take good care of the building which God has given to us. So. Um, there's a list of rooms which need to be cleaned. Uh, that'll, that'll be posted. Patty, where is that list going to be posted? Where's Patty? Thank you. On the glass case down there. Okay. Uh, and the instruction is when you do complete a room, uh, we ask that you do indeed complete the whole room, top to bottom, and then cross it off the list. And if there's something that you didn't make it to, just make note of that uh, on the list before you uh, depart for the day. Uh, let's see. Ordination celebration uh, coming up on July 10th. Uh, in rural Slater, St. Paul Lutheran Church, they're going to be celebrating the 30th anniversary of ordination for the Reverend Walter P. Snyder. Um, our congregation is allowed to, uh, or allowed, invited, my goodness, invited to attend. Uh, that service is at 3.30 p.m. on July the 10th with a reception afterwards. And then also, it's already time to begin planning for our Oktoberfest. I know it's hard to believe we're at the end of June, uh, but the 4th of July is around the corner. And of course, that means that summer is sadly, it's, I'm not going to say final weeks. We're just not there yet. Um, but nonetheless, we're uh, beginning to plan for this. The scheduled date is September 11th. If it rains, we'll move it back to the 18th. Um, and there's a sign-up sheet uh, on the glass case also. So please sign up now so that preparations can begin. We can put some organization around that. Um, I do believe that brings us to the end of our announcements. Anything I might have missed before we continue on with our morning? All right. Seeing none, then God's peace be with you as you go into this week, having been fed at the banquet table of the Lord, uh, receiving his grace and mercy in Christ our Savior. I'll greet you at the door.